Hello there, friends. This is Spencer Michaud, and welcome to your weekly astrology forecast for the week of March 30th through April 5th. Hope that you are all doing well out there in quarantine land. Uh, we are on week two, I believe, of this uh, situation that we've been dealing with, staying at home or being encouraged to. Hopefully you all are uh, doing your part and trying to uh, keep everybody safe by limiting your contact and staying in your house as much as you can. I know that we've been doing that here as a family for the past two weeks, um, only really going out to get groceries uh, once a week or so and uh, take walks, uh, but that's about it. Otherwise, we've just been hunkering down. So hopefully you're not losing your mind yet. Uh, I know that it's probably a, uh, it's a test, isn't it? It's a test of our uh, ability to manage um, our own mental, emotional, and physical health while we're going through these, these challenging times. Hopefully today I'll be able to give you some guidance with the astrology that is coming up for this week. We're still in the middle of some very uh, uh, challenging astrology, some, some very uh, intense uh, planetary contacts that are coming over the course of this week. Um, on Monday the 30th, I'll go over it briefly uh, in, uh, to contextualize it for the week for you. On Monday the 30th, Mars will be moving into the first decan of Aquarius. Um, and we're going to talk about the Five of Swords a little bit with that. Uh, the sun will be moving into the second decan of Aries. Um, that is the solar-ruled decan. Um, so we will chat about that. On Tuesday the 31st, we've got Mars making a conjunction with Saturn at zero degrees of Aquarius. That's going to be one of our peak moments of the week. There's two really big aspects going on this week. One with Mars conjoining Saturn, the two malefics joining up where we may have some some feelings of really kind of banging our heads against the wall and, and feeling like we're um, really feeling the, the pain of the limitations that we're working through here. Uh, and then uh, towards the end of the week, we have the, the Jupiter-Pluto conjunction. We'll talk about that. On Wednesday, the, the 1st of April, we have a first quarter moon, so some kind of material challenge or crisis that we might be going through uh, throughout this, uh, within this new moon cycle that we're this new moon in Aries cycle that we've been uh, getting our new divine assignment for uh, over the last week or so. Uh, Friday the 3rd, Venus will move into Gemini. So we'll talk about Venus and Gemini and Gemini in, in general a little bit. Uh, we'll go over the Eight of Swords, its tarot correspondence and the Rider Waite deck. Uh, we'll talk about a little bit about v, uh, Mercury conjoining Neptune the same day. And then on Saturday the 4th, uh, Venus in Gemini will make contact with Saturn in Aquarius by trine. Uh, and of course, that same day we have the Jupiter-Pluto conjunction at 24 degrees of Capricorn, the last decan of Capricorn, where we've been seeing all of our planetary action over the last couple weeks. Uh, we, we have planets that are beginning to move out of that zone of the zodiac, but we've still got a lot of themes associated with that third decan, that that sun ruled Deccan uh, in the uh, domicile of Saturn, Capricorn, the, the nighttime domicile. Um, essential dignities for the week. Let's take a look at our chart here and see what we're what we're looking at. Y'all doing out, out okay out there? Y'all, <laughs> y'all, y'all okay out there? Um, I know it's been a lot of uh, 
lot of things going on, just trying to keep up with everything. I'm recording this on a Friday. Uh, Friday, what's the date today? The 27th. Uh, and uh, yeah, just new things in the news every day. They just passed the stimulus bill, which people have been arguing about passionately in Congress, and people have their own thoughts about whether it's good for people or whether it's uh, you know lacking or bailing out the corporations or if it's doing enough for the working class. Uh, there's a, a lot of um, really interesting debates going on right now, uh, and hopefully we'll be able to see some of that in the astrology that we're working through. Um, so the sun this week, let's take a look at our two charts. Sun's going to be moving through Aries. Uh, we're starting off in the very you know, very early hours of Monday in the still in the first decan of Aries, the Mars ruled decan in the Chaldean descending order of the planets. Um, there was kind of two different systems that people used to determine a planetary ruler of the of the of the decans. One was the descending Chaldean order of the planets, and then another was the triplicity system, where we used the triplicity rulers to determine the the decanic ruler. I tend to lean towards using the Chaldean um, planets, um, and some some people out there might feel more comfortable using the triplicity system. Uh, I know the book that I use, that I reference a lot, Thirty Six Faces, talks about both of those rulers uh, when when he uses um, the planets to talk about the meanings of the decans. Um, but I've been really, like I said, I've been focusing on the Chaldean order of the planets, and that's been working out pretty well for me. Uh, so. That being said, the sun is moving through, of course, the domicile of Aries when it's in, uh, well, the, I'm sorry, the domicile of Mars, which is Aries, the diurnal home uh, of Mars. And in that first decan, we have Mars being the, also the decanic ruler. So that first decan of Aries is very martial. It's very much about determining uh, our sovereignty, right? Uh, our individuality severing from the, the mother plant, uh, trying to initialize a new identity. When we move into that second decan of Aries, uh, the sun becomes the decanic ruler in the descending um, Chaldean order. And this is where the sun has its degree of maximum exaltation at 19 degrees. Now, we're not quite going to get there this week. We're only going to get to 16 degrees, but we're getting closer and closer to the sun being at its most powerful. And remember, exaltation was kind of when the, the planet is working at its best. Uh, when a planet is in its own domicile, it's being provided for the, with the resources that it needs to, to do um, what it wants to do as a planet. So like the sun in Leo has all the solar resources it needs to shine its light. But the sun in Aries is kind of like, um, I've compared it in the past to a restaurant owner versus a restaurant general manager. So a planet in its domicile is like the general manager running the day-to-day -day operations, whereas the owner of the restaurant would be a planet in its exaltation. So it's kind of like it's able to, to function at its very highest capabilities. So the sun has a commanding quality, an ability to uh, give us... Uh, an ability to issue commands, ability to have leadership qualities, 
an ability to uh, understand what sets us apart, what makes us special, what uh, our, our own individuality, our own sense of identity, our own, uh, the light of the mind, they called the sun sometimes, where we were kind of trying to understand our spirituality and our divinity. Um, so all of those, th- those themes may be coming up with the sun in this placement uh, this week. Um, I mean, it also could be like we, they called this Deccan the, uh, the crown or virtue. Um, Austin Coppett calls it the crown. And this is where we could be, uh, we've determined what our separate identity is. And now we are trying to structure our reality around that new personal identity that we've crafted away from the whole, away from the womb, away from the mother. And perhaps even trying to uh, drum up some kind of following, like a, like a leader would, with, with our enthusiasm, with our passion, with our ability to shine our individual light of consciousness out into the world. So that may be something we're seeing with this sun in, near its degree of exaltation in that second decan. Um, the sun also has triplicity rulership by day. The sun was, the, of course, the triplicity ruler of the fire signs during the day. Um, we're going to be seeing uh, the sun moving through the terms of Venus from 6 to 12 degrees, and then the terms of Mercury from 12 to 20 degrees. Of course, the sun, as I mentioned, also will have dignity by face or decan in the second decan. So lots of dignity for the sun. So a very powerful sun right now, uh, and it's being um, provided for by uh, Mars in Capricorn and then Mars in Aquarius. So we have an exalted Mars at the very beginning of the week, and then Mars is going to move into uh, Capricorn and meet up with Saturn on uh, on Monday, on believe, oh, I don't know what time exactly, but towards the middle of the day on Monday. We can look at that when we go through our individual days. Um, so it's going to be really interesting to see how the shift happens when Mars takes on a new, um, a new mantle and moves through a different temple. Uh, it's going to have new priorities and, and be providing from a different space. So we may see uh, a shift from that third decan of Capricorn, which was associated with material power. Uh, remember, it was called the throne and administration of material earthly power uh, and moving into a, an air sign uh, that is also Saturn ruled, but maybe more concerned with uh, a little bit more objectivity, a little bit more seeing the the, the big picture um, and really maybe accelerating some of those feelings of isolation that we are already kind of sort of getting used to with Saturn in the, in the first decade of Aquarius. So really, uh, Mars is going to be uh, giving us a, a, a push to accelerate those types of uh, feelings that we've been already kind of getting used to. All right, Jupiter is moving through the third decade of Capricorn, where it is in its fall. Uh, and of course, Jupiter is going to be meeting up with Pluto this week. And it's not a comfortable place for Jupiter. This is a place where Jupiter is sort of at its uh, least powerful, where we say the sun is at its most powerful right now. Jupiter is, is really at the bottom 
of the Wheel of Fortune, where the sun is at the top. So uh, things like um, integrity, <laughs> things like hope, uh, things um, like br building bridges between people and uh, our spirituality, our bridge to our higher selves is having some real difficult moments right now and is shining some light on uh, some of the corruption that may be present underneath the surface with Pluto in the same area of the zodiac. Uh, we're going to talk about that as we go through our weekly forecast here, but one of the things that's been coming up in my uh, research with other Jupiter-Pluto conjunctions is uh, the exposure of corruption and the uh, kind of uh, bringing some sort of corrupt element to justice. So remember, we talked about Jupiter also being distributive justice, like kind of the getting what is due to you based on um, merit-based actions. So this may be a moment of reckoning for us on the collective where the results of our actions or perhaps our lack of action may be exposing uh, some corruption that has been, is, is inherent within the system. And um, yeah, we've been seeing this in the news too. We've been seeing people, as we have been negotiating uh, a very large stimulus package in the United States, there's been a lot of back and forth about um, whether the, the powers that be are, are using the resources, the taxpayer money, the collective resources for the good of everyone or for the good of, of just a few. And this may be a moment where that some of that corruption gets exposed to the, to the light of day um, because they're really, they're, I, I don't know, there's, there's definitely been uh, some complaints from, from the populace and, and rightly so because it, it definitely seems like there's been um, various people in power have been trying to slide through their own agendas as people in power do. And um, we can ex dive into that a little bit deeper as we talk about Jupiter-Pluto, but um, I think that's what we're going to be seeing with Jupiter and its fall. It's going to be in the terms of Saturn. So Jupiter has to play by Saturn's rules and Saturn's agenda this, this week. And uh, Saturn is very strong in Aquarius. In the first decade of, Aqu of Aquarius, where it has domicile rulership, it is the diurnal temple of Saturn, where Saturn is um, given a little bit of, uh, I don't know, breathing room, uh, being in the air sign there. It's probably going to be a little bit more uh, functioning and a little bit better, uh, higher quality than it, it did in Capricorn, even though it's very strong in Capricorn. Um, one of the mitigating factors, I think, is that uh, we can think of, if we, if we look at it from a, a medieval temperament uh, perspective, where they believe that each planet had um, temperamental qualities of either coldness or hotness or dryness or wetness, uh, Saturn, in general, is a very cold and dry planet, and Capricorn is a very cold and dry sign. So it was accentuating the, the difficulty, the, the, um, um, the life-taking qualities of, of like the frost, right? Uh, let's, if we think about it in a, in a um, farming metaphor, you know, your crops aren't going to grow very well if it's too cold and they're not being watered, right? Uh, well, when Saturn moves into Aquarius, 
air signs were air air the element of air was said to have some of the quality a sanguine quality instead of a melancholic temperament and the sanguine temperament was associated with moisture and warmth so one of the reasons and one of the rationales people talk about was saturn improving its uh its quality or its condition in in aquarius is that it's being heated up number one by the by being in a diurnal sign and it's also having some of its more negative cold and dry qualities mitigated by being in a sign that is a little bit warm and moist. Now, it doesn't seem like Aquarius in the middle of winter would feel like a warm or a moist sign, uh, but I do think that the quality of air is giving us a little bit of a balance point to some of the more crystallization qualities that we may see with Saturn, the hardening qualities, the um, the boundaries that feel oppressive rather than the structures that, that hold a society together that we may, uh, that a lot of people are really debating right now. What we're really seeing as a collective is a, a, a not just a debate on how we're going to, you know, rescue the economy or, or help people in the, uh, the coronavirus pandemic. We're really seeing how we want to um, restructure our society moving forward as we move closer to the Jupiter-Saturn conjunction that's going to happen in December. Um, everything that we're experiencing this year is leading up to that moment. We're going to have many contacts with Jupiter and Pluto as, as Jupiter and Pluto retrograde. Uh, so we're, we're not really out of the woods yet here. We're going to be experiencing these, some of these aspects multiple times. Um, but then we're really going to get some real real clarity as to what this all has been building towards when we see the jupiter saturn conjunction at the winter solstice so uh, we're just right in the middle of it we're in the middle of history right now and, and a really important moment in history um there, there are moments in history that are a little bit more um they speak a little bit louder and i think we're right in the middle of one right now where uh when we're seeing things like the outer planets come together, like Jupiter and Pluto, uh, like on a, a smaller level, Mars and Saturn, these are, these are collective planets. I mean, we do experience them personally, but the, the further away the, the rationale goes is the further that the planet is in the celestial sphere model from the Earth, the more those planets have an effect, I think, on the, the collective more than just the individual. And right now, we're seeing uh, some planetary alignments that really are talking about everybody's affected by it. I mean, this isn't business as usual. We're all having to submit or surrender to, excuse me, uh, to the, the will of the planetary will right now. And um, it's really a, a generation defining moment. And I, I, I can't emphasize that enough. This is, history in the making. It's kind of, it's kind of fascinating. It's also, I mean, everybody wishes it was easier, but uh, moments of change are never really easy. But I think that you have to kind of try to get uh, a higher, more objective perspective and see it for what it is, which is a moment of change. All right. Um, Saturn's going to be moving through the terms of mercury from zero to seven degrees it's going to be there for a while uh 
Saturn is also the triplicity ruler of the air signs by day. So that gives an, an additional dignity to Saturn. Uh, triplicity rulership, from what I have learned in my studies from my teacher from Nightlight Astrology, Mr. Chutababa, was he believes, and I believe that he was getting some of this from Robert Schmidt, that the triplicity rulership was based on uh, the nature of Jupiter. And I think this is, if I'm remembering the concept, the, the, the rationale behind the concept correctly, uh, we can look at some of the planets in the Thema Mundi and their relationship to uh, the lights. And in the, uh, in the Thema Mundi, Jupiter is trying the lights. Uh, its domiciles are trying the lights. Um, I believe that Jupiter in Sagittarius is trying Leo, the sun in Leo, and the Jupiter in Pisces is trying the moon in Cancer. Uh, those respective rulers of the two uh, luminaries uh, in the Thema Mundi. And so we can say that, that triplicity rulership gives uh, communal support, some kind of gift, some kind of wind in your sails that is moving you forward. So Saturn right now has communal support. It, that we're, we're collectively living Saturn right now. I, I just think that's really interesting to think of it where Saturn has triplicity rulership. So, so Saturn is kind of like uh, we're having to um, understand our limitations as a society and create new boundaries, rules, and uh, potentially even new, new hierarchical, hierarchical structures. That's a hard word to say. Uh, hierarchy. We're creating a new hierarchy. <laughs> Um, yeah, Mercury's still in, in Pisces, so uh, our speech is going to still be a little bit um, colored with emotion, uh, or or just not as functional as it can be. Mercury, Mercury, if you want to know, is in its fall and exile, dual debilities, moving through the terms of Jupiter from 12 to 16 degrees, the terms of Mercury in its own terms from 16 to 19 degrees, and then moves into the terms of Mars from 17, I'm sorry, from 19 to 28 degrees. So that's what Mercury is doing this week. Let's keep on rolling. Uh, Venus, as I mentioned in the beginning of the show, is moving through, uh, going to be moving from the last degrees of Taurus and then into the first degrees of Gemini. Now we're going to talk a little bit about Venus conjoining a, a very difficult fixed star called Algol uh, when we talk about our astrology of Monday. So that's going to be a, a, a moment that we have to get through that may be a little bit difficult. But Venus is still in its own domicile in Taurus. It is the triplicity ruler of the daytime. It is in the terms of Saturn from 22 to 27 degrees, and then the terms of Mars from 27 to 30 degrees. Uh, we're seeing some very powerful women and very powerful feminine voices out in the collective right now, too. Um, this morning, I believe, I watched uh, a debate on the congressional floor where they were trying to advocate for passing a bill, a stimulus bill, and there were two congresswomen or, or representatives that were giving very impassioned speeches uh, one, I believe, was a representative from Michigan, 
and then um, Alexandra uh, AOC, Alexandra Ocasio-Cortez, I believe that's how you say her name, probably butchering it, but um, I just know her as AOC. Both, both of those women were very um, giving very imp impassioned speeches about being able to take care of our uh, of not only the working class and the people, um, but also our, our healthcare providers and giving them the resources that they need to do their jobs. And one of the difficulties we've been seeing, at least in our country and maybe worldwide, I don't know, you'll have to tell me if this is going on in your country as well, um, is that there is a, a conflict between uh, the federal government and the, the states where where the federal government is trying to, well, the, the states, I'm sorry, the states are trying to get resources for their healthcare systems and for their people. And one small example is our, our president encouraged the governors of the individual states to buy up their own surgical masks and, and you know, hospital equipment and ventilators and things like that. And what they're, the problem that they're running into is the federal government is outbidding them for the same resources. And there's kind of like the federal government and the states are getting into bidding wars. And um, which is crazy. It's, it's a crazy thing to have happen. Uh, I don't quite, um, well, I could say I don't quite understand it. I mean, I guess I do understand on some level that it's just part of uh, a corrupt system that we're observing with Jupiter Pluto. Um, but it's kind of uh, counterproductive in my personal opinion. Um, but, but again, we're seeing the Venusian voices uh, getting very, very much, uh, uh, the volume is raised with those voices advocating for, for the resources, Taurus, that, that people need. All right. So Venus is going to move into Gemini uh, in the beginning of the week. Um, actually, I'm sorry, on, on Friday the 3rd. And Venus is going to be peregrine in the sign of Gemini, which means it is a wanderer where it doesn't have any particular dignity uh, in, that, um, in this area of the zodiac. It will have uh, some dignity on its own terms eventually uh, in the middle, middle degrees, uh, 12 to 17 degrees, but we're not going to reach that this week. Um, so yeah, we're going to lose some of that. Uh, dignity that Venus had in the sign of Taurus. Um, I wanted to also give you a heads up, and we'll, we'll talk about this too as we move along, but Venus is going to be moving into a trine with Saturn and Mars, but that what is going to happen is Venus is going to be in a condition called besiegement or, a, or enclosure or a malefic enclosure. And I'll explain that in depth when we get to Friday, but basically what it means is that um, Venus is kind of caught in between the two malefics by uh, a, a trine ray. Now, there's some debates on whether it's still an enclosure, if it's a, a positive aspect like a trine or a sextile, or if it's just with an opposition and a square. Um, but I'm going to make the assumption because there are some authors that debate this, um, but in the research that I did, and I, I did some reading in Demetra George's book, uh, Ancient Astrology, 
And it sounds like it is still a condition of enclosure, even with a trine. Um, so that what that could mean is that Venus's significations are severely uh, limited, and are, it's very difficult for Venus to uh, enact her power when she is being enclosed by the two malefics. So this may be a moment where some of these these voices that we've been hearing in the collective, it's it's much more difficult for them to to uh, get what they're asking for once Venus moves into Gemini. So keep an eye out for that. This may also be a difficult time for relationships too. And um, because Venus has to do with harmonization, with love, relationships, with cleanliness, we may see a, a, a more a difficult time for um, the arts as well. Uh, I know that um, there's been a lot of people advocating for putting some money in these stimulus packages for artists that are out of work in the gig economy. I haven't really looked over all the specifics of it. I just, I, as I'm recording this, it just got, I believe it just got passed. Um, but I think that uh, I'm not sure if there's really any uh, significant money for the arts. I, the last that I read was that there was some very small, um, kind of token um, monetary uh, distributions for like the National Endowment for the Arts or, or things of that nature. So um, artists may be going through a difficult time right now um, if they aren't able to get some of the same resources that, that other people are in the uh, uh, relief packages. So that may be another thing that we're feeling is just uh, the arts are, are kind of limited right now, you know, although I have seen everybody and their, and their dog uh, doing Facebook lives or doing like, you know, some kind of, you know, concert from their living room, which is pretty cool. It's, you know, seeing uh, behind the scenes um, people doing their thing and, um, and support those people if you can, because I know that as a musician myself and somebody who, lived uh, that kind of in that kind of gig economy for a long time. Um, it can be a real challenge if you're not able to get the work that you need. And we don't always qualify for the same kind of unemployment or, or insurances or things like that. So uh, reach out to your artist friends. And if you can, if you're, you're doing uh, okay, you know, make sure that they're keeping their head above water. Cause I think we need, we need a uh, art more than ever when we're facing difficult times. Remember, Venus was uh, catharsis in, in ancient astrology. It was responsible. Uh, the goddess was responsible for the purity of the Greek theater and the dramas. And the point of those dramas was to be able to process heavy emotions. And if we don't support our, our artists, we, don't, uh, we aren't able to consume the type of media that might help us with uh, getting getting through some of the more difficult emotions. Uh, so all of you right now that are listening to your Spotify channels, that are watching movies, that are listening to music, uh, all of that uh, is thanks to the artists in your life. So, you know, do what you can. Um, Mars will be moving through the third decade of Capricorn and then where it is in its exaltation in its own uh, terms from 26 to 30 degrees. 
and then moving into the first decan of Aquarius, where it is also peregrine. It's in the terms of Mercury from zero to seven degrees, and we'll discuss that a little bit further. The moon is waxing this week from the crescent phase into the gibbous phase. So we've gotten the new moon assignment, and the moon is gaining in light. We're trying to mobilize resources within the crescent phase, and we will be going through the first quarter phase, which is a point of material crisis. And then the gibbous phase is where we are refining um, the expression that we are going to see come to fullness at the full moon or to come to full expression and flowering at the full moon. So whatever seed was planted at that Aries new moon, we're going to be seeing it blossom uh, in, a, in an, another week or two. And this week is really about, uh, first of all, mobilizing the resources we need, coming to the crisis point and giving a heroic effort to overcome the material challenges, and then perfecting uh, whatever it is that is going to come to expression. All right. Um, moon is peregrine in the sign of Gemini. It has domicile rulership and decanic rulership in the third face of Cancer. It is peregrine in Leo, and then it has triplicity rulership in Virgo by the nighttime. Everybody following along okay today? A little scattered, going in multiple directions, but, you know, that's how it goes sometimes. All right, let's go, let's start looking at Monday here. If you're following along on the video, uh, you'll be able to see the chart on the screen with me. Uh, I'll try to do my best to narrate for those of you who are listening audio only. Thank you, by the way, for uh, listening to the, the podcast and the SoundCloud and all that. And appreciate your, your patronage. Um, on Monday, the 30th, the moon starts out in Gemini in the waxing crescent phase. And the lunar aspect that we have today is the moon making a square to Neptune at about 11 o'clock a.m. So you can see that here, the moon is gonna be squaring Neptune. So this is a condition where the moon is in conflict with its host and its host, Mercury, is in really poor shape. So there may be some really difficult communications that we have to have on Monday, some real challenging um, you know, technology issues potentially, where there's a lot of confusion. Mercury moving through the second decan of Pisces just convolutes things. We're, we're kind of wading through these uh, mashup of all these details and trying to figure out all these statistics that aren't really clear yet. And this may be a point where we have some very difficult conversations and potentially some arguments. Um, I want you to focus your attention on where Venus is on this day too, because as I discussed in the beginning of the, of the show, uh, Venus is going to be on a fixed star called Algol at 26, roughly 26 to 27 degrees Taurus. And from what I understand of fixed stars, uh, they are sort of like our own sun. Our own sun is this, the star that we're dealing with in our solar system. And just as the sun provides vitality and light for the, for the other planets, fixed stars are said to have a similar effect on our planets when they are very close 
um, within a few degrees, like maybe within two or three degrees of that fixed star. And the, the planet has kind of a, uh, I've, had, I've heard it described as a um, being rooted to that fixed star, like drawing energy like a root system would. Okay. So right now, when Venus is, is in that small area of the zodiac, Venus is drawing energy from the star, fixed star Algol. And that is a, um, a fixed star that was associated with the severed head of Medusa. Now, the Medusa story is very an, an interesting one. Medusa was a, a temple virgin um, who was uh, raped by Poseidon in Athena's temple. And Athena was offended by this and basically turned her into a hideous monster with snakes for, for hair uh, and a gaze that would turn any man into stone. So uh, this is a... a now, Algol is part of that constellation uh, called Perseus, and Perseus was the, the hero that severed the head of Medusa. And Algol is the star that is right in the middle of her forehead, like her third eye. And the ancients thought it was a, were kind of afraid of it because it, it would blink in and out of existence. Now, we know now that that, that planet, or I'm sorry, that star becomes eclipsed every three days or so. And that's why it blinks in and out of existence. But, but in the ancient world, eclipses were very malefic events. Uh, when our own sun or moon was eclipsed, they thought a dragon was literally swallowing up the, the life-giving lights, and it was an omen of misfortune. So when you have a fixed star that is blinking in and out of existence, they're like, oh, that's a bad one. <laughs> like that's, that's, that's one that we do not trust, right? Um, so some of the significations associated with this fixed star um, were uh, losing one's head, right? Where um, uh, the word alcohol also comes from algal or the, the same root as algal. So this is, this is a, a alcohol, of course, um, is something that uh, dries us out. And uh, so we have to be careful uh, if we are, one of the things that just came up in my, my notes and my meditations on this is uh, as we go further into our quarantines and we wrestle with our own inner demons, our, our own inner medusas, right? Um, I'm sure that it, there is a temptation to uh, self-medicate. And I think that could be one of the dangers that we could see that could become more amplified when Venus is making contact with this. Because remember, Venus is our desire nature. It's what we use to find catharsis. So there could be a potential for self-medicating through things like alcohol and drugs and, and just kind of you know feeling so upset and lost that that we just uh, fall off the wagon, so to speak. So I think the danger of that is, is heightened right now. Um, I would encourage you, if that is something that you struggle with, to try to reach out for help if you can. I know that you may feel alone at this time, um, but there is help out there. I'm sure that there is organizations like AA or like counselors or, or hotlines that you can call um, to 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 get in touch with somebody that could kind of maybe talk you off the ledge a little bit and help you to make 
potentially what could be a better choice. Um, yeah, it's tough. I know everybody is figuring out how they're going to maintain their sanity. Uh, this could also be a moment where we're having some real challenges in our relationships with the people that we live with too. Uh, when, when you stick any um, group of people in a small enclosed confined space for too long, uh, things that normally would not get on each, on, on each other's nerves become blown out of proportion. And I, this, I've experienced this in my own home where we're all like coworkers now, <laughs> like where we have to share space. And uh, when, when you are used to having your own personal space and, and quiet and things like that, and then you're thrust into an environment where you have to be in close quarters to get your stuff done, that can be real distracting and it, you can get frustrated. And uh, I think it's a good idea too to figure out how you can double down on your patience with people. Remember the third decan of Taurus, like we discussed last week, and if you want a more in-depth discussion of, of Venus and Taurus three, uh, look at last week's video. Uh, but the real gift of this decan, which is also associated with um, uh, decay and the things that threaten the, 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 the abundance of the crops that we're trying to plant. Uh, the gift of this is being able to surrender and have faith and patience. Uh, the third decan of Taurus was associated with the seven of pentacles where we see a gentleman um, kind of waiting and to see if the crop that he has planted will bear fruit. And this may be a test of our patience too, a test of our ability to A, get along with one another, B, to um, be able to um, continue in the, uh, the self-care regimens that we've been getting used to uh, as we've moved forward through this, this global pandemic and crisis. So that is something I just want to warn you of. This is going to be happening uh, throughout the day on Monday as Mars also moves into the sign of Aquarius. So this is all happening kind of concurrently. We have to think about this in context also. So if I move forward a few hours here, we're going to see Mars move into the sign of Aquarius. First deck in Aquarius right here at about 4 o'clock p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Okay, And both of these planets are going to be squaring Venus by whole sign, squaring Uranus by whole sign. Okay, So there's a kind of a uh, some unexpected challenges that we may come across on this day. Uh, we are, our relationships are coming under excess strain and stress. The feelings of isolation and of the limits that we're going through and the, 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 of being in exile are going to be rapidly accelerating. This could be a time where we um, have even more restrictions put into place and that could put additional strain on our relationships at home. Um, I mean, this is also a time where we may have to really uh, try to figure out how to be as responsible as we can within the circumstances that we have too. I've seen, um, I don't want to get too into this because I will get too upset about it, but there's been, uh, our, our president is very, first of all, very irresponsibly talked about unproven uh, 
potential medicines for uh, the COVID-19 virus that caused one unfortunate gentleman to test it out and lose his life. Uh, but also he's been saying things like we're going to return to work on Easter and things like that, which is also um, not based on anything that uh, medical experts have been talking about and is pretty, I would say, also probably pretty irresponsible as far as uh, the statistical models that we've looked at um, about flattening the curve of the spread of the virus. So um, I'm not sure exactly where I was going with that, but mm -hmm. this may be where we have to, to take uh, things into our own hands and uh, do the right thing for the collective regardless of what our leaders tell us to do, okay? I, I feel like what I'm seeing here with Mars conjoining Saturn, in addition to feelings of limitation and exile, this may be a moment where we're pouring gasoline on some of our rebel, rebel, rebellious, rebellious uh, instincts and, and uh, our desire to break away from the establishment. So this could be a time where uh, I've seen uh, people like the Whole Foods workers trying to organize a strike and say, you know what, the working conditions that we're under right now are inhumane. We're, we are emergency workers right now and we are not being treated as such. And uh, I believe also places like Trader Joe's, like they are encouraging people not to wear masks or not allowing them to wear masks to uh, retain some sort of, um, oh, I don't know what you'd call it, uh, illusion of normalcy, which is kind of, kind of crazy. Uh, those are places that people have to go to get uh, basic necessities. And those workers have to go there and are being exposed to people on a daily basis. And the, to not allow them to protect themselves is worth uh, some sort of revolution or rebellion, I think. So that's what I think we may see uh, start to happen is because the people who are on the front lines of this are not potentially not being treated uh, with the, the respect and with the resources that they deserve uh, to just for basic safety, we may see people start to walk out. We may see an acceleration of uh, people saying enough is enough, we are going to do something different than the establishment is telling us to do. And that's, a, that's another theme that is going to come up, I think, time and time again of, of all of our Aquarian placements. Remember, Aquarius was the, the exile of the sun too, right? This is where the sun was in its exile. This is where the individual, the sun, is at its weakest and the collective saturn is at its most powerful so the you know this is another moment where we may see uh the the fall of the of the king so to speak right um there's been some astrologers and philosophers that are uh theorizing that this may be the last president that we have um and that the way that we are governing our country is going to be completely different. And right now we have a president who basically feels like he is a king. And uh, we may see something 
uh, happen with that that is very that gives us a very different view of leadership and and people in power um, and where we may see uh, I guess my hope is more um, a distribution a more e- equal distribution of power rather than having it being consolidated at the top and now you know my political stance on that I don't know I mean I'm a human being who has opinions and and you're a human being that has opinions and uh, I will try to be as objective as I can with this, but it's literally impossible to just say, this is the objective reality here and, and try to keep uh, personal opinions completely out of it. I, I, just, I just think it's impossible to do, uh, especially with the sun in Aries. So <laughs> like you'll probably see more astrologers uh, talking about where they fall on the, the theoretical spectrum. Um, that doesn't mean that like we have to uh, get into conflicts if you have a different opinion than me. I think that one of the things we'll see with Venus and in Gemini is an, an ability to hold differing opinions and multiple opinions and try to figure out how to harmonize uh, folks that have uh, very polarized um, belief systems. Um, because one of the things that Gemini does is is kind of prog- provide some moral ambiguity. It, it kind of allows you to see one side versus the other. And uh, I guess the negative side of that is bend the truth, <laughs> like which we've seen in, with some of our leaders that have prominent Gemini, Gemini placements in, in the world right now. There's a, a, a number of them, actually. Uh, and where facts, quote unquote, are relative uh, in the in the collective story um which is unfortunate that's that's one of the things that i find most distasteful right now is um when people are trying to manipulate numbers facts or stats or whatever this is the thing math is one of the purest things i think out there Uh, and when you are able to or when you attempt to uh, only give a, a either a certain percentage of the story to bend those numbers or those facts to your own particular uh, will. I think that's a real disservice, and it's something that is kind of a pet peeve of mine. Um, I'm a Leo ascendant, and like I, those are those Leo ascendants of us that aren't like sociopaths or complete narcissists. Uh, like they, I, I hope there are a few of us out there. Uh, sincerity is actually one of the qualities of uh, I think that that Leo ascendants tend to um, value, and uh, it's a real shame to see one of our uh, Leo ascendant brothers out there uh, just completely corrupting that. And it's a real shame. I just I'm it's a real I'm real disgusted at it. So anyway, my subjective opinion aside, Monday's a tough day. Venus on Algol, Mars moving into the first decan of Aquarius. Remember that uh, that decan was called Defeat or the Mark of Exile uh, in Austin Coppock's book. And I really think this is just going to accelerate our anger at, at being isolated. Our, it's going to encourage a drive towards... Um, doing something different 
Uh, there may be a severing uh, in our relationships uh, where we are having to go into exile uh, more severely. Uh, it's ex it could accelerate our feelings of alienation. As, as the people in power and, and the hierarchy doubles, double, doubles down on a, its oppressive uh, systems, we may feel further and further away from, uh, from the system that we have to be a part of. We may feel further cast outside of it, uh, or some of us might. Some of us might not feel exiled, but uh, a larger portion of us um, are not feeling like this, this system is serving us, and that'll make you angry. All right. I know I'm pretty pissed off, to be honest with you. I'm trying to uh, maintain my center and realize that it's part of a larger whole and a larger system. But I'll tell you what, one of the things that has been difficult, and I'm, it's my own fault, I have to regulate my media that I'm consuming, but since this whole pandemic thing has started, I've gotten sucked into the daily White House updates, which, you know, two-thirds of it is just complete nonsense from an idiot <laughs> and, and through someone who doesn't actually understand what's going on and has a, uh, I've time and time again, I've just heard this uh, verbal diarrhea coming out of this guy's mouth, uh, talking about how, you know, how much he's concerned with keeping the economy afloat rather than keeping people healthy. And it's been very much weighted in, in his, you know, delivery towards, you know, we're going to try to keep uh, everybody, you know, fiscally healthy rather than physically healthy. And I'm not saying that keeping the economy afloat isn't important. It is, but, you know, it definitely shows uh, his priority. And, and that, that will make you feel alienated. The fact that he is uh, even suggesting that we need to go back to work and put people in danger um, before there is uh, reasonable data suggesting that that would actually be helpful is pretty disgusting in my mind and I'm, I'm pretty angry about it i'm getting riled up just thinking about it <laughs> oh man but like i said i've been guilty of, of consuming a lot of media about this and i'm not sure how healthy it is i know that an npr channel in seattle one of the hardest hit uh parts of the country uh is refusing to, to carry the White House updates because of uh, the, the spread of disinformation. And man, what isn't, isn't, what a world that we live in where we can't even, I mean, I'm sure this has been like this for a long time, but at least in the past, we've been able to at least get some semblance of what was happening uh, in, in the midst of a crisis or a world war or something like that. And how dysfunctional do we have it right now where uh, public broadcast news systems won't even carry a press conference because it's just complete and utter garbage? It's a bummer. Anyway, Tuesday, March 31st, 
the moon is going to be moving into cancer where it picks up some dignity domicile and face uh, but we are going to be seeing the moon go through that uh, being i'm sorry that jupiter pluto uh, area of the zodiac um, this is a uh, a day where we are seeing the mars saturn conjunction perfect okay and that's happening around 2 31 p.m um now some of the themes we may experience with mars saturn an inhibited or frustrated energy uh, a point in time where will our will meets a wall uh where we a feeling of driving with a foot on the brake uh an active contraction so you see how mars and saturn have sort of uh they 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 share the quality of dryness but they are very much opposites when it comes to heat and coldness and on some level they may balance each other out but what they are doing when the two malefics come together they're both just accelerating the qualities of death <laughs> like the, no, neither neither one of them has really any ability to provide life in the kind of the medieval uh, temperament system. So when you've got the two of them together, it's, it's just a very difficult situation. Uh, and we may feel like we are uh, at war, Mars, uh, against fear, Saturn, right? Uh, we could also think of um, an unstoppable force, okay, Mars, meets an unmovable object, Saturn. We may have fear-driven actions. Now, Mars is in Saturn's domicile. So Mars is being provided for by Saturn right now. Uh, and Saturn was traditionally associated with our fears as well and our limits. Um, so we may have some ang anger that comes up that is very much based on feeling isolated, feeling limited, feeling feelings of fear. Uh, we may have a sustained anger. Uh, like remember uh, Saturn was the quality of the of endurance and the long distance runner where Mars was the sprinter so we may have it's like pouring gasoline on the on the fear quality uh, there was this um, in in Ren Butler's book he talked about choking and suffocation or claustrophobia uh, that could be something where we start to just feel like man we've been in quarantine for three weeks now screw this, this sucks, <laughs> which it, it does suck. Mm -hmm. uh, I will say I, I, did, I was able to get out uh, into the woods yesterday, and, and that was nice. Um, we don't have a uh, shelter-in-place order yet, I don't think. Um, and, it, and if we do, you're still allowed to go out and take a walk as long as you keep your six feet of distance and uh, don't congregate with people outside of your family. Um, so what we did is we went out to uh, a state park that was kind of off the beaten path that has many, many, many acres of land where you're going to walk and you're not going to see a person for, you know, half an hour. And uh, it was it was refreshing. It was nice. It, it, it helped you feel like a sense of expansive expansiveness. Yeah. And a change of scenery every once in a while can really be... Uh, mm, can be kind of the something that is very restorative. Uh, we were when we were out in the woods, we we came upon a, a pond that um, had a number of spring peepers. It, it's the time of year in Michigan where 
the, the frogs are out and singing to one another. And the animal symbolism behind the frog was, was cleansing and purification. And I thought that was really a nice moment where there was a chorus of, of purifying energy in that woods. And, and that really helped me feel a little bit of groundedness and stability and kind of got us outside of our tiny little rooms here. So if you do have the ability to do that, I, I would encourage it. Taking all the safety precautions, um, we went out and we covered our face with um, makeshift bandana mask type of things. Just as I know that that's not like the the most uh, you know solid barrier against the virus, but it may you know even cloth masks like that can be a first line of defense if someone sneezes on you or whatever. I believe that there are uh, levels to uh, you know getting infected someone directly sneezing on your face is a lot worse than just breathing uh, you know some in some air or something like that like it definitely there is definitely a, some levels to it but i'm not a medical expert so take all the precautions that you that you can um when you do that um but yeah if you can get out into the woods and get into nature and get in touch with that like that is a, a very healing uh type of experience okay so this is Mars conjoining Saturn. Uh, the moon is going to be making a sextile to Uranus at 5.23 p.m. at 5 degrees of Cancer and Taurus. And then the moon will be squaring um, Chiron, which was the, the position where the new moon was at at 5 degrees. Uh, the other thing that we see here is that the moon's going to start to oppose this Jupiter-Pluto stuff by whole sign. And this may be where, like, you know, the moon in Cancer, you know, the, uh, the family is starting to get on our nerves, right? Like where we're talking about this stuff with the, the Venus uh, and Saturn on, or, I'm sorry, Venus and in Taurus on Algol. Um, the moon is also going to be passing over the north node at two degrees or so that day. And this can, sometimes when we have the moon conjoining the north node, this can increase our uh, feelings of unrest of, and I believe that in Judith Hill's book, she talks about mental illness being increased when the moon makes contact with the north node. She's got some really good books out there that I highly recommend, especially with the, her treatment of the nodes and with medical astrology. So there may be some stuff where we're just getting really frustrated with that. So practice all your self-care. Uh, if you are in a position to take a stand against the man, <laughs> like I, I don't know exactly what that looks like right now, um, but maybe find a healthy outlet for your rebellious energies. And that could be talking to your your state representative. That could be uh, organizing your community uh, from a distance. Um, that could be uh, trying to educate yourself on what is, what is happening and only sharing the uh, most up-to-date objective information that you can. Uh, there's plenty of ways to be uh, sub subversive. <laughs> like, uh, it doesn't mean I don't think that you need to go out and um, start creating violence in your world, I, I would 
hope that we could have a revolution that would be peaceful. I know that's asking a lot and uh, not really the way that it works. Um, but protest is different than chaos. And I think that like, if you're a worker that's being ill-treated, uh, organizing uh, some sort of collective walkout or something like that is probably more effective at this point in time than, you know, I don't know, some sort of organized violence or chaotic violence. Um, remember, as we've proven throughout this entire thing, and as the people in power are now starting to realize, uh, they need us. They need the working class. They need the middle class or whatever you want to call it. I think everybody's pretty much the working class, <laughs> like if you're not the super, super rich. Uh, but they need us to keep society rolling. And if more people start waking up to that fact that, that they are absolutely reliant on the people that are working on the front lines of these businesses, um, that actually gives people a lot of power. That gives the people the power. If they realize that, that they, collectively that those people at the top are dependent on you, on us. And the, the real rebellion happens when you are able to organize as a collective. And I think that that's really what we're going to be seeing moving forward is organi organizations coming together to uh, fight back a little bit on those in power. Because really, we've, we've gotten a real, uh, and if we haven't gotten it yet, it, more of it's coming, we've gotten a real exposure of what the people in power's priority is and what the corruption beneath the, the system is. And we saw this with senators that were selling off stocks before with inside information on how bad this coronavirus uh, pandemic was going to be. We see this with our leaders, you know, putting uh, the lives of Americans at risk for the sake of the economy. We have a lieutenant governor in Texas who talked about that our grandparents would be willing to sacrifice themselves for the economy. <laughs> and I don't know, have you talked to your grandparents lately? Are they, are they itching and raring to go to go outside and get sick and die so that, so that they, you, know, you can keep your 401k? Um, go have a conversation with them and see if that's how they really feel because that's what's being suggested to us by our leaders right now and um, pretty crazy times all right let's move forward on wednesday april 1st april fool's day we'll see how many of those april fools come out to play on April the 1st. On April 1st, the biggest thing that we're seeing is a first quarter moon. And the first quarter moon is when you have a square between the sun and the moon. And this is the first square that we have in the cycle. So from the new moon here, when the two lights were conjoined, we have the moon will be traveling through the zodiac. It'll come through that crescent phase at 45 degrees of separation. And then when it comes to the point of 90 degrees, that's when we have a square or the first quarter of the cycle. So this is a point of crisis. This is a point where uh, we have two, the two lights in 
uh, domiciles that are of the same mode. Okay, so we have two cardinal signs here. So Aries is the cardinal fire and Cancer is the cardinal water. So we've got competing agendas. We've got some sort of crisis that is happening uh, where we're trying to bring in the new Aries vision into being, right? So this, this new moon was in a position of the zodiac where we were fighting for autonomy, where we were separating ourselves from the parent plant. And with the moon in Cancer, we've got a position where uh, we may feel some attachment to the mother or to, to whatever is providing our sense of security and domestic security. And we may see a, a point in time where we're getting really emotional about our, our, our sovereignty or our sense of uh, autonomy. Um, this could be a time where we're fighting potentially for the rights of the family or for the rights of our own individual, um, you know, little, little worlds. Remember we had, you know, Capricorn is more about collective and the cancer is more about our kin and our, our own little domestic sphere. Okay. Um, so this is where it's going to require a, a heroic action potentially. The Deccan of Cancer that the moon will be moving through is called the Walled Garden or Abundance. Um, this is something where we may be feeling like, you know, again, where we're isolated and it's, you know, where our, our families start to get on our nerves potentially. And the sun is going to be in the second Deccan uh, called the Crown. So there could be questions of autonomy within our isolation, within our little walled gardens. Um, particularly in our family homes. The moon will also be making a trine to Mercury at 16 degrees or so of Cancer and Pisces, and then it will be trining Neptune. So Tuesday, leading up to the very early hours of Monday, we'll be having a peak of that crisis kind of feeling. And then Monday, after the, the energy peaks, we should have a, a little bit of a relief as it makes contact with Mercury and Neptune. This may be where we're just tired from fighting and we want to escape a little bit into our own private worlds uh, and you know, our imaginations and go off in search of a spiritual consciousness. All right, so that's Wednesday. Thursday, April 2nd, the moon will be in Cancer and moving into Leo at 2.26 p.m. It will continue the first quarter phase, and it will be moving through some difficulties on Thursday. So Thursday is when the moon starts to make an exact opposition. Yeah, Thursday's a little bit of a bummer day here. So first, before the moon moves into Leo, okay, it's going to make an opposition from Cancer to Jupiter and Pluto. So remember the, the moon was like an activator or a membrane or a, uh, a, a spinning wheel of the music box that is triggering the notes of the planets. And this is triggering 
Jupiter and Pluto by opposition. So this is kind of like where we're meeting some kind of resistance uh, and we're getting kind of some sort of clarity potentially on what's going on with this Jupiter-Pluto conjunction. So this may be uh, something where the, uh, the corruption of the system and the corruption of the government or the corruption of the hierarchy or the corruption of the virus or whatever it is, uh, is coming into opposition with uh, something very deeply emotional or personal. So this may be a time where we're getting a personal experience of the virus where uh, I don't, we're getting to the point where uh, enough people have been affected by it that the degree of separation is becoming smaller and smaller. This may be a point in time where this, start, this starts to affect you personally if it hasn't already, where you may have a relative that's sick or you may have a friend of a relative that is sick or you may have someone who's lost their home or their job or that are, are, very, are struggling uh, emotionally at this time. And collectively, we could be going through a moment of grief uh, where we are really seeing the ramifications uh, of the, uh, the reality of it is starting to affect us on a personal level. So that's the beginning of our day uh, as we see the moon come into opposition with Jupiter at 4.48 a.m. and then come into opposition with Pluto at 5.20 a.m. As the moon moves into Leo, I guess before that happens, the last aspect that will take place is a sextile to Venus. So there will be a little bit of a support potentially from the last degrees of Venus in Taurus here to the moon. Um, so maybe that's a good time to support your artist friends and support their live stream and listen to some music and feel your feelings. You know, put on the sad song and cry it out. and be able to uh, release some of those heavy, heavy emotions that we're all processing as a collective. Remember, this is a moment of collective change. This is the dissolving moment of the caterpillar in the cocoon where all the cells are being kind of rearranged, uh, getting us ready for a new rebirth later. But this isn't the moment of rebirth yet. This is the moment of dissolving and of decay and disillusion, disillusionment. And uh, that can be frightening. That can be confusing. Um, you know, I don't know if a caterpillar inherently understands what's happening when he's making the cocoon. Uh, he probably doesn't really have an awareness of what he's going to become, just as we don't necessarily have an awareness yet of what we are going to become as a collective. Right now, we're just seeing uh, the old system kind of crumbling right in front of our eyes. And that's going to bring up a lot of challenging feelings. So it's okay to feel those feelings right now. And it's, in fact, I think one of the, uh, one of the moments that we have here, one of the, I think, spiritual assignments that we have is to, in our isolation, is to get in touch with our, our real feelings and to grieve a little bit. All right. So the other thing that's happening when the moon moves into Leo here is immediately the moon is going to be making an opposition to Saturn and Mars. Um, and that's going to happen at 3.49, between 3.49 p.m., where it makes the opposition to Saturn, and 6.13 p.m., where it makes the opposition to Mars. Now, that puts the moon in that condition of malefic enclosure that I was talking about, because the moon is casting its opposition ray 
right in between the two malefics. <sighs> Those three hours or two and a half hours could be very challenging. So 3.49 p.m. Eastern time to 6.13 p.m. Eastern time could feel uh, like we are, are banging our head against the wall and where we're feeling really feeling the limitations uh, that are, have been put upon us. Um, the moon will also be making a square to Uranus at a similar time. It's not going to be exact, but it, it's still part of the equation. So it's like a T-square. So keep your eyes peeled on Thursday the 2nd for some real feelings of, of not being able to bring things into manifestation that you might have been hoping for. Um, remember, this, the, the good thing about this particular enclosure is that it's very temporary. It only lasts for a few hours and then the moon busts out of it. So uh, do something nice for yourself around this time. Try not to make any giant decisions or, or get too frustrated if, if something isn't turning out the way that you want it to on Thursday the 2nd. Okay, let's move to Friday. We've still got a lot of astrology to cover. All right, on Friday the 3rd, Moon will still be in Leo. We'll still be experiencing the first quarter phase. And the big, big news of Friday is that Venus is going to be moving out of her own domicile and into Gemini, the Mercury-ruled temple of Gemini. Now, there's a couple problems with this. So first of all, the Taurus-ruled area of your chart and the Libra-ruled area of your chart are losing some dignity with their host. It is more difficult for the Taurus-ruled area of your chart because now the Taurus-ruled area of your chart, its host, Venus, is in a condition called aversion where it is not able to provide for the temple because it's, a blind, it's in a blind spot. So there are two places on either side and either side of the opposition, which are called an aversion, okay? So Venus isn't really gonna be able to provide for the Taurus-ruled area of your chart uh, while, she's in, while she's in Gemini. And that's gonna be difficult, that's gonna be a problem. Because that's generally that's where we feel our foundation is and where our, our resources come from and where, where we feel like we have our stability. So this could be a destabilizing moment uh, for us as a collective. Uh, the other problem that we have is that Venus is in Mercury's temple now. And Mercury is in pretty poor shape for at least another, at least another week or so. So this could lead to some confusion in our relationships, some difficult conversations. Uh, and the, the, the news doesn't really get better <laughs> like, because one of the things that we're experiencing also is Venus will be in uh, a malefic enclosure. Now it's a trine. It's going to tr be trining Saturn and Mars. But uh, for a short period of time, uh, about a week or so, maybe a week or two, uh, Venus is going to be in between the malefics. Now, once Mercury moves into Aries, it will break up that malefic enclosure. But for a period of time, that is going to be uh, difficult for our relationships. So buckle up. 
buckle up, buttercup. Um, now, Venus will be able to witness the Libra ruled area of our chart. So that may get a little bit of a boost. Uh, so focus on the Libra ruled area of your chart instead of the Taurus ruled area, because um, that may be where you have a little bit more of an ability to uh, provide. Venus may have an ability to provide for that area of, of your chart. Now, what does Venus look like in Gemini? Well, the card associated with the first decade of Gemini is the Eight of Swords. And in it, we see uh, a figure, a woman who is bound um, and surrounded by swords. Now, the, in the card, she potentially those bindings could be loosely tied. And she's also blindfolded. So there is a, some thoughts with this card that those, she, the uh, restrictions that she's experiencing potentially are of her own making or of her own thought forms. Uh, this face was called the Apple of Eden or interference uh, in the Book T or Book Toth system. Austin Coppock calls it the Apple of Eden because it's a, uh, an area of the Zodiac where, where we have an awareness of duality where we have an awareness of a profusion of options, okay? So this may be a point in time where our desire nature, Venus, is given all sorts of options, okay? And now, that being said, that's what it would normally be like if Venus was in the first decade of Gemini. Uh, and sometimes we feel with the, a profusion of options we feel paralyzed by them that we're not able to make a decision. And th this may be something where we are feeling hemmed in or constricted by a profusion of options. And those options are confusion, confusing because Mercury is not providing clarity right now for Venus. Uh, it's in a whole sign square. It's in its fall and in its exile. And we're trying to figure out what we really believe and what is really true. I have a feeling that this could be another time frame where the collective narrative is uh, distorted, where it's very difficult to figure out what the truth is, and the truth is held captive right now. Um, now, Gemini in general, Venus and Gemini in general, this could be a desire uh, for for more variety. This could be a point, a point in time where we're just doing the same thing over and over again in our quarantines and we're just getting bored and we just want to learn something different. We're like, you know what? You know what I really want? I want to just, just give me some kind of new experience. Maybe this is a period of time where you start up a new course of study, where you try to learn something new, where you've, you've played all your video games. You've, you know, I don't know done whatever you do you've eaten through all your your hoard of snacks <laughs> while venus was in taurus and now it's just time to like you know do something different and shake it up a little bit maybe learn something start using your brain again uh and this could be also where we see a catharsis through intellectualization through words through learning um we could be attracted to a lot of different things this decan was in the uh, Chaldean system was ruled by Jupiter. So this could be an, an expansion of mercurial things, right? A, an abundance of options, okay? Um, 
I would say that when Venus is in Gemini, we could take joy or pleasure in learning or naming things. This is the difference between Gemini, I think, and Virgo. Gemini likes to separate things into categories and, and give them a name. Virgo likes to separate things out and make them useful. They learn things to put them into immediate use, where Gemini is more like the, the trivia, you know, like a, a, a game of trivia. We say, oh, I learned a little fact about this, and isn't that interesting? And then we'll go over here and learn a little bit about this, and we'll put a name on that. Uh, I have Gemini. Uh, Gemini is my, my Venus is in the second decade of Gemini. And I do remember a time when I was younger, and I really like nature. I have moon in Taurus, so that's where I feel comfortable. I remember a time where I went out into uh, a nature center. I believe it was the Kalamazoo Nature Center. And I took a lot of joy in seeing, they have all the trees, they have all, a lot of labels on the trees there. And they have the Latin names and they have the, uh, you know, the English names. Uh, and I just went around that nature center and it was just so fun to look at all the different species of trees, variety, and get to see what their names were and understand their names and learn about what they were called. And I think that's like Venus and Gemini right there. That was pleasing to, to my particular placement of, of Venus was not only was it a combination of something earthy and, and Venusian, you know, nature, but I got to put it, uh, put it into a category and put a name on it. And that may be something that you're experiencing with Venus and Gemini here is the joy of, of, of putting something, putting a name on something. Okay. Um, the other thing we could experience when uh, Venus moves into Gemini is this particular area of the zodiac has a moral and ethical ambiguity. We are exploring ethical polarities. All right. This is kind of the devil and angel kind of uh, area of the zodiac. Uh, this is a time where we're creating harmony through being able to see someone else's point of view, potentially, through listening. Uh, I know that there is a, uh, a stereotype of people with Gemini placements that they like to talk a lot. Well, part of the flip side of that is being a good listener. So there are two sides of a conversation where if you are able to hear what someone else is saying, then you are able to communicate your ideas back to them in a way that they will be able to accept. And that is where the flexibility of Mercury comes in and being able to de deliver your truth in a way, hopefully, that is able to be received by the other person on the other line, right? Now, the downside of that is being able to bend facts and bend your message to manipulate as well. So there is an ability with Venus and Gemini to be able to use communication to potentially to manipulate as well, to, to create consensus. Um, and that could come through maybe not being truthful or honest, and you have to watch out for that as well. All right. Uh, now, another thing I want you to be aware of with Venus moving through Gemini is every two years, we experience retrogrades of Venus and Mars. And this year is a retrograde year, okay? And this year, Venus goes retrograde in Gemini on May the 13th. 
at five degrees of Gemini. Okay. So in this particular, uh, oh, wait, I'm sorry. No, I'm incorrect on that. Five degrees Gemini is where Venus is going to retrograde back to and turn direct on the 25th. So we have a, a retrograde period of Venus through uh, May 13th through June 25th. And so we're going to go, Venus is going to go, uh, I'm not exactly, oh, yeah, sorry. So Venus is going to go to 21 degrees Gemini and then start to move backwards to 5 degrees Gemini. So when Venus gets to 5 degrees Gemini, which it's going to happen pretty soon, okay, it's going to be in, in the shadow of its retrograde, right? And which means that it's going to be, this is going to be territory that we're going to have to reevaluate in the Gemini ruled area of our chart. Okay. And as a collective in the Gemini stuff where we may get some consensus about Gemini things that eventually will either be taken away or have to be renegotiated. So my thoughts on this is that this may be like, for example, with our stimulus package, uh, and isn't that interesting that, no, that's not the right date. I was going to say, isn't that interesting that this is sort of the, we're getting close to the date of the, uh, that Trump wanted to open the country back up, but that's actually March 12th that he wants to open the country back up, not May, May 12th or May 13th. Um, but I think what we could see, because uh, I don't, really think that the country is going to open back up. And if I, if it does, it's an enormous mistake uh, and negligent, quite frankly, um, is that we may have to renegotiate some of the, potentially even some of the stimulus packages that we've, that have been given out. And we, we may have to say, okay, well, what's phase two of this, right? So keep an eye on that in the national scene, as far as communication, as far as what is what is going on as far as the resources that we've been dealing with now that argument that renegotiation is probably not going to be very pleasant because venus will be in that malefic enclosure so expect a bunch more arguing <laughs> with the powers that be and potentially resources held captive when venus is making an aspect between mars and saturn over the course of the next couple of weeks here. Um, in our own lives, we may be reevaluating relationships and, and you know, how we uh, relate to one another and how we communicate. All right. The moon will be trining the sun at 14 degrees of Leo and Aries uh, at around 3.30 p.m. on Friday the 3rd. Um, the other aspect that we have of that day is that Mercury will be making a conjunction with Neptune. Now, isn't that interesting that right on the day that Mercury, uh, that Venus moves into Mercury's temple, that Mercury will be making a conjunction with Neptune. 
So further adding to the confusion that we have and to, to Venus's confusion is Mercury is going to be uh, coming into contact with a, a dissolving planet, with a planet that wants to um, bypass reality and transcend reality and potentially uh, try to escape reality. So this is the danger that we're moving into. Communication is going to be messed up for a while. Uh, and I would really encourage you to double check all of your emails, double check all of your taxes or all of your applications. If you're applying for things, excuse me, like unemployment, make sure you've got all your facts and figures correct. Uh, and maybe expect some delays with some of those things as well because the system's going to be kind of overwhelmed with those things also. This is a new Mercury-Neptune cycle, um, and this is something where we, we see this, I think, generally once every year or so. Um, but we're going to be, potentially you could have some divinely inspired ideas as well, uh, but also uh, in some confused or muddled thinking. So details are not really well supported with Mercury conjoining Neptune. Uh, Neptune is kind of a also uh, a planet that represented kind of poisons or toxic things. So be careful of, of uh, don't take any medicines the president tells you to. <laughs> like, uh, I hate to make light of that, but these are the times that we're living in. All right. So let's move forward. We still have the weekend to look at, the weekend. On Saturday the 4th, uh, a couple of very prominent astrologies are happening. Uh, Venus is going to be perfecting its trine to Saturn at 1.09 p.m. Again, we talked about that in context of the malefic enclosure. The seed of that cycle, though, was on the 11th of December in 2019. Uh, so if you want to look back at that particular time frame, there will be some themes that will be repeated uh, from the Saturn-Venus cycle that we experienced or, or we are in the middle of experiencing. And this is a trine. So, I mean, regardless of the malefic enclosure, this should be, generally it would be a positive point in the cycle. But I'm just, I just have some real hesitations about how positive that is going to be because Venus is enclosed within the two malefics and because of Mercury's condition being so poor right now. So I just actually really think it's going to be a challenging time for, for anything related to Venus. Um, on the 12th of April, though, Mercury will move into Aries. And Aries' is, Mercury will be sending some sort of ray to break up the malefic enclosure. There will be a sextile ray. So if, if there, you're going through challenges in your relationships or anything in the Venus, uh, anything that has, has to do with Venus or the Gemini part of your chart, try to hang on if you can until the 12th because you'll get a little bit of relief from Mercury. Mercury's condition is going to improve significantly when Mercury moves into Aries and Mercury is going to be busting up that malefic enclosure. So really pay attention to what happens on the 12th if you're experiencing a feeling of, you know, being isolated, if you're feeling like stuck between a rock and a hard place, uh, it's going to lighten up a little bit on the 12th. 
I'm not saying it's going to completely resolve itself, but uh, just looking at the condition of the planets, that could be something that we experience. All right. So that is the Venus trine Saturn experience. This could also be getting real within our relationships, some sobriety, potentially new commitments that we have to take on. Uh, this is where we're going to have to really just communicate with our partners and figure out what we're going to do moving forward. Um, the moon's going to move into Virgo at 5.18 p.m. and then square Venus at 7.08 p.m. Uh, from one degree of Virgo to Gemini. So there, there could be some challenging conversations about how you're using your resources and how you're organizing your time and things of that nature. Now, a little bit before that, actually, nope, after that, at 10.44 p.m., the big aspect of the day Okay, that is also part of the conversation that we've been having this whole time, but is finally going to perfect at 10.44 p.m. is the Jupiter-Pluto conjunction. And this is, these have been two major players in the narrative that we've been seeing over the course of our last few weeks here. Uh, remember, the big cycle, the giant cycle that we are experiencing is the Saturn-Pluto conjunction back in January. Uh, and Jupiter is providing an expansion of those themes and trying to, uh, is basically putting fuel into the fire. Before we had um, Mars making everything like faster and Jupiter is making everything bigger, <laughs> okay? Um, now, this Jupiter is not a happy Jupiter though. This is Jupiter in its fall. In an area of, Zod of the Zodiac, the third decade of Capricorn that's associated with administrative power. So we could see uh, a, an abuse of that power. One of the things I found in my research is I went back and looked at the last couple of Jupiter-Pluto conjunctions. And uh, a theme that I saw coming up was uh, exposure of corruption, right? and potentially some sort of administrative or dis distributive, that's the word I want, distributive justice for hidden corruption coming to light. Now, in December of 2007, the last Jupiter-Pluto conjunction, the, the main news of that month was the Mitchell Report coming out. And the Mitchell Report was a, a study that I believe was done by Congress um, where they were listing the names of 89 Major League Baseball players that had used steroids or human growth hormone. So you can see that Jupiter was expanding and uh, literally expanding athletes. You know, Sagittarius was associated with uh, some athletics uh, in, in some uh, systems. So we have literally people getting bigger, Jupiter, in its own domicile, and corruption being exposed, Pluto, in the same area of the zodiac. So people were cheating, or there were things that were happening behind the surface that finally came to light and were trying to be remedied, and were trying to, pe these people were getting what they were due, right? This is one of the things I'm kicking around with Jupiter lately, is distributive justice, getting what is coming to you. Now, this could be like, a gift, right? Generally, we think of Jupiter as 
the greater benefic bringing us a gift. But Jupiter is bringing us what we deserve based on the merits of our actions, okay? And whereas Saturn is bringing us punitive justice, is bringing us punishments based on the merits of our actions. Now, on the flip side, we could say that Venus and Mars are bringing us good things and bad things based on more random uh, events that don't necessarily have to do with actions that we've taken. All right, that's, that's because they are of the night sect related to the moon and the twists and turns of the wheel of fortune, okay? Whereas Jupiter and Saturn were of the day sect and they were more associated with the sun and m- more conscious things, more uh, spiritual, our, our, our ability to like take an action that we c- are, are in command of. You remember the sun had a commanding quality. So what I can see with this, and let me go back and tell you more about my research. The, the previous Jupiter-Pluto conjunction before the one in 2007 happened in 1994, December of 1994 in Scorpio. There we had a jury finding Heidi Fleiss guilty of running a call girl ring. So we had some kind of uh, justice happening, exposing corruption in the Scorpio-ruled area of the chart, which is associated with sex. So <laughs> it's interesting. So now, what are, what are we going to see now? Some sort of exposure of corruption in the Capricorn-ruled area of the chart, which has to do, as I've been talking about, with administrative uh, power. So the government. So this is where we're seeing the corruption of the government coming to light and potentially some kind of, uh, I don't know, hopefully some justice, some distributive justice, some sort of like um, purification of that, where when the corruption is exposed to the light, that's when we can change the rules. You know, remember, Jupiter is also about orthodox and about like the... It was associated with like belief systems and orthodox belief systems. And whereas Venus was associated with the rituals associated with the overarching system. So this could be something where more corruption comes, bubbles to the surface uh, from uh, this pandemic, exposing people in power for who they really are. And we've seen that already with people in Congress who, when they, found out that this was happening, sold off their stocks so they wouldn't lose a bunch of money, which is basically insider information. And we're also seeing it now with our, our peoples in power who are constantly bombarding us with uh, their opinions that the economy is more important than human life. And that's the moment that we're living through here. Uh, this could be also a moment where we are experiencing intense idealism, more political drama, fanaticism, overkill. The, the, one of the words that came up was plutocracy, right? A plutocracy where people are abusing power, plutocrat, where there is certain, a small percentage of people have all the power and consolidated power and, wield, and wielding it in ruthless ways. Uh, this is also where we see 
extraordinary, extraordinary greed, uh, where there is a, uh, Ren Butler calls it a titanic evolutionary process. So we've been seeing this ramp up over the last few weeks as Jupiter has come into contact with Pluto. I mean, it came, it's been within three degrees for, oh, I don't know how many weeks now, but this is the, the, where it peaks and we start to move past it. Now, don't get excited though, because there is a retrograde happening where there will be another conjunction in the summertime. And then I believe a third pass in, when it goes forward again towards the fall. So this is really one of the big themes of our year is the, the corruption of our hierarchical systems being exposed to the light and needing to be reborn, needing to die, decay, and then be, uh, oh, I don't know, composted, right? So our government's being composted right now. It's going, through the, it's going through the compost system. And hopefully what we get out of it is fertilizer, uh, but it's going to smell like shit for a while. <laughs> That's the that's the thing, you know. It's uh, it eventually it may uh, it may be something that provides is able to provide life for us, but right now it just looks like death and decay. Um, so hopefully we can weather that storm uh, fairly well through the process. Um, yeah, that's about what I've got. Remember, just the the fourth uh, card in the the four of pentacles was the decan associated with this area of of Capricorn. And in it, we see a figure that is holding very tightly onto his, uh, his, his pentacles, his money. He's, you know, holding on to what is what he believes belongs to him. And that is the old guard trying to hold on to their old way of doing things. And it's just not going to be sustainable any longer. Uh, and we see this with Saturn, Mars, and eventually Jupiter moving into the, uh, the first decan of Aquarius at the end of the year, where it's just, we're not going to be able to sustain that kind of um, structure anymore, any longer. And that's going to get proven over and over and over again. And you're going to see your leaders try to hang on to that old way of doing something with every ounce of their being to the point where uh, they could potentially flush all of the abundance that the country has built up over time completely down the toilet. And that's a real danger that we're seeing right now. Now, some of you may say, well, that wealth and that abundance was built on the backs of slave labor and abusing other countries. And you'd be right. It would, it's also true that some of it has been built on, you know, honest work from the people in this country, but it, there's, it's both, right? And I was reading this article and I thought it was really interesting and discussing it with my partner. It talked about um, how people who have claimed to be brought up on their bootstraps, so to speak, uh, have benefited from uh, basically systemic um, gifts. <laughs> like, and, and, after World War I and World War II, we rebuilt this country with social systems, and we made new communities, and we uh, had like, we had soldiers coming back from war who 
were given a house and had these intentional communities like uh, Long Island and things like that. We basically created a middle class uh, in the suburbs through government uh, assistance. Now, the, the caveat there is we created a middle class for white people and we did not include and it specifically excluded African Americans in this process. Uh, and that and that has created a wealth uh, inequality within uh, some of our uh, demographics in this country as well. Like like literally, it was written into some of these bylaws that that African Americans could not live in these communities. And I think that needs to be acknowledged because when we are moving towards the new uh, system that we're trying to build, um, it has to be fair. It has to be fair for everybody. It has to be fair for uh, everybody, people of, you know, all different demographics of, you know, it has to be fair for women, it has to be fair for men, it has to be fair for, you know, the genderless, uh, you know, it has to be fair for whoever. And I think that's going to be something that is going to be, uh, that is also going to come up in the national conversation is how do we create a system that is equal, right? And we say that all men are created equal in this country. But what we really were saying in the 1700s, what they were really saying was all men are created equal as long as you, are, you look a certain way. <laughs> like as long as you're a man and as long as you're white, <laughs> you're equal. <laughs> that was what they were saying back then. And that was, it's not the, the world that we live in now, nor should it be. And if we truly want to build a, an Aquarian idealistic society, everybody has to be part of the equation and everybody has to be equally represented. And we have to, to take the, um, the idealized qualities of our constitution and actually put them into reality. And I just think that's a really interesting thing that we're going to have to be thinking about. We have an opportunity here as at the great, I'm going to call it the great reset. We are at a point in history where we're getting a big reset. And are we going to uh, include, are we, is it, we're going to be inclusive in that? And that's really what we're being tasked with right now is how do we, create a society that is fair for everyone rather than leaving people out. And we're going to get an awareness of who is being left out very significantly. That's what this first decade of Aquarius is all about. It's going to make us really aware of who isn't part of the system. Okay. And it's remember it was the mark of exile. It was, it was, we're going to be really seeing who are the haves and who are the have-nots and hopefully that will give us an ability to create a new societal structure that includes everyone okay so that's saturday that's jupiter pluto on sunday the fifth the moon will be in virgo in the gibbous phase and we just have one aspect that day and that's a trine from the moon to uranus okay one more aspect Moon trine Uranus at about five degrees. So we may have a, an innovative way of organizing our lives potentially as that aspect perfects. Okay. Well, 
that's what I've got for this week. Coming up next week, coming up next week, Mars is going to be making a square to Uranus from five degrees of, of Aquarius to five degrees of Taurus. That should be very interesting. Potentially, we'll have some kind of disruption to the way that we are using our resources on Tuesday, the 7th. Mercury is going to be making a sextile to Pluto and to Jupiter at 24 and 25 degrees of Pisces and Capricorn, respectively. And then we're going to be building to our full moon at 18 degrees of Libra uh, also on Tuesday. We've got kind of a really packed Tuesday, the 7th. Uh, and then on Saturday, Mercury moves into Aries and Mercury makes a sextile to Saturn. So that's what's going on next week. I hope that you are all doing well out there. Thank you for sticking around with me over the course of my uh, <laughs> rantings and ravings. Um, I don't know. Interesting times. Everyone's got an opinion. I've put out some of mine. If you don't agree, uh, we can agree to disagree, and hopefully we'll be able to have a conversation about it that is productive. And if you're in agreement, then we'll go out and we'll uh, viva la revolucion. <laughs> um, so anyway, uh, Hope that you're doing well this week. Um, if you're liking these videos and these podcasts, make sure that you hit the like button. That's the best thing that you can do and share it with your friends. Give that five-star rating on Apple Podcasts. If you're so inclined and you're feeling uh, generous, I do have a Venmo or a PayPal link, uh, me, PayPal me link uh, up for, for donations for the work that I'm doing here. Um, as I have noticed that some of my work has slowed down too as a musician and as a as a teacher, some of my classes got canceled. So uh, if you want to support what I'm doing, feel free to reach out and get a reading. Or if you want to make a small donation, everything like that is very helpful during these times. So I appreciate all of you. But don't feel obligated. I know everyone's going through a, a tough time as well. Um, but hope that you're doing well out there. And uh, I will talk to you the next time. So take care, everyone. Be kind to the people in your life. And uh, be patient. And we'll get through this together as, as a whole, as a collective, as equals. And hopefully we're heading towards a brighter tomorrow. So we'll talk to you soon, everyone. Peace.